Hey guys, welcome to Right Way, a podcast where we give you insight to make informed decisions about your writing career. I'm your host, Rhea Fry, multi-published author and CEO and founder of Right Way. And I'm Joe Tower, writer, media producer, and Right Way's executive editor. On this podcast, Rhea and I will take an inside look at the publishing industry with honest and straightforward shop talk. So when you do get published, you'll know exactly what to do the right way. Okay, so... Today, I really feel like this is such a relevant topic, not only for writers who want to be published, for clients that we're working with and pitching to agents or publishers on their behalf, but also because where we are in our career, we are pitching a new joint project together that we are very excited about. And when you submit, when you pitch, there is this level of expectation, um, immediate response, and just you expect it to be like, okay, great. When when am I getting a yes? Like it's it's this very uncomfortable place to be. It's a very, um, I think it's a very misunderstood part of this whole process. Yeah, I, I uh, think like every component of it is actually pretty formally misunderstood by. Not just beginners either. I think even some writers that have maybe like had experience with independent publishing or some kind of like a hybrid model. I I think you're. I think we're not. I think we forget. And I I think obviously like I understand that it is the it's the end of the process. So once you get through everything else, like writing and editing the manuscript and getting it ready for submission and formatting and crossing your eye, you know, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. I understand that like once you encounter the submission process, there's a great deal of expectation that is built up and it sort of feels like the end, but in a lot of ways it's, it's, it's the beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. <laughs> it's the beginning. Oh my gosh. I mean, and, and that is something to really understand about this whole process is it, is it really happens in phases. So we, you and I have talked a lot about the importance of creating space in order to actually have the room to create and cultivating the right environment and the right headspace and mindset and all of that fun stuff. And then we get into the like tools and strategies and tactics of creating the book proposal or writing the book or editing or proofing. But pitching is its own entity and it's the thing that comes before, oh shit, this is real. Like that's, I mean, once you pitch and if you do get a yes, it becomes very, very real and a very different ballgame. But before you get there, I think we're so trained to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to get a yes. And then, and then everything's going to be great. And there, you are starting all over again. That is the actual, you're at the precipice of what it's going to mean to become a published author, what it's going to mean to promote, market, sell your book, all of those things. But for instance, um, we have a client who's great. He came to us um, with a very, very important story. And he wanted us to kind of do a refresh on his proposal. And we just pitched him today. And again, we only pitch five or six agents at a time. We start with agents that we know. And he sent me a message like, because we, we sent it out at 8 a.m., and then we got two immediate requests for his proposal, which is great. Like five minutes later, we got a request. That's good news. And he was yeah. like, it's great news. And he was like, I mean, is that good? Was that what we're expecting? Like, what now? And so, so many people who want to write a book don't even understand 
what what sending a query means. When you send a query for a nonfiction book proposal, that does not mean the agent is going to read your book proposal. First of all, you have to pitch them. They have to request the proposal. And then once they request the proposal, you're looking at anywhere from two weeks from a, a very fast turnaround time to hear back up to six weeks or a few months, depending on their workload. And so he asked, you know, I kind of was prepping him like, Okay, if they want to read your proposal or say you wrote a novel. Well, and same thing, right? I mean, like not even when you query uh, for like a fiction manuscript, you don't send, you might send a sample, 25 pages or the first three chapters, but you don't send the book. They'll let you know if they want to read the book. And even after they tell you that they're going to read the book, then it's like this time just continues to compound. It does. And a lot of times people get really like antsy and they'll continue to pitch and pitch and pitch, which I actually don't think is the right move because for for nonfiction specifically, you know, once your proposal is out there, that's not your book. If an agent is reviewing your proposal, they're going to come back to you, hopefully with some sort of feedback where as you know, you need to tighten up your your hook or your you know your tagline or lay this out differently or work on your author platform. But but I noticed this client was like, okay, you have personal relationships with these agents. So does that mean if they don't like it for some reason, can you talk them into saying yes? And I was like, a hundred percent no. First of all, what people don't understand, and we've said this before, if you are the author you are in the driver's seat. You are in a position of power because you want an agent and or an editor at a publishing house to sell you, to be so passionate about your project that they are trying to convince you to say yes. That is how this industry should work, not the other way around. You're not waiting to be picked. You're not waiting for a yes. And that's what it can often feel like And it can often feel like a shit ton of rejection, which it is. 99.9% of this industry is rejection. And every no moves you closer to a yes. And I see so many of our clients get so discouraged and they take everything personally. Oh my God. I just, I mean, we just had one. We just had one recently too. That was like the first, the first five. I had a client that was, we sent out the first, to the first five agents on our database and the same thing happened. The first one came back and it was a, I don't think I'm, I'm the agent to represent this Great. manuscript. <laughs> great. Yeah. And seriously. And and her, her response was, oh no, off to a great start. And I'm like, no, off to the presumed and very expected start. A hundred percent. The yes is not, even the manuscript or the proposal request is not the uh, expected result. That is not the expected first response at all the expected first response just because of the simple like the number of manuscripts and uh, of submissions and queries that they're getting uh the expected response is is probably a canned no in a lot of cases oh sure and i mean just just to put this out there in a personal note so i mean everybody knows by now i'm out of contract as of february and i have okay so we have pitched i had this book i was working on a partial these are all partial manuscripts we pitched this book called don't forget me everyone passed we pitched i was like cool i'll switch over to women's fiction we pitched this short little um partial like it was like 100 pages of this book called maybe next time got amazing feedback but all the feedback was different like the all the editors were like she's a great writer but i don't really like this plot line or she's this but no this doesn't work so they all passed and then we pitched our nonfiction book proposal so you want to write a book now what 
everyone passed. We I pitched everyone um, passed. You guys like literally let that sink in. Yes. And then this book I was really excited about, Dear Mother. Most um, editors passed on that as well. So I was like, well, fuck. I mean, I'm a multi-published author and people are still (laughs) finding reasons to tell me I'm not good enough. And years ago, I would have taken that really personally. But what I found is these projects that I did not finish, number one, they were partials, which is really hard to sell. But I wasn't I don't think I was writing them from like that soul, soulful, joyful level. I just wanted to sell something. And I think that you could really tell. And so, which has caused me to really analyze things and then pivot accordingly. um, Where again, we just talked about this on our last podcast, like finding our joy of writing again, or a couple podcasts ago. And it has really caused me to examine what I do want to sell, what type of relationship I actually want to have with my editor when I get a new editor, what's important to me when it comes to the sale, to the process, to the result of things. And I feel like most of us, before we're published, we're so hungry for that yes and just to be able to say that we got a yes that sometimes it should be a no. And so sometimes it's not the right deal and it's not the right amount of money and it's not the right time but we've been taught that we have to prove ourselves instead of the other way around. The industry needs to prove that they are worthy to take on our material. And I will stand by that as long as I am a writer, because there is nothing without our work. And what kills me about the fiction industry specifically <laughs> is we've worked with a lot of great authors and I've seen feedback from editors or agents like, yeah, this like one specific thing in the plot didn't work for me. And it's like, great, I can change that or they can change that because it's fiction. Like anything can kind of be rearranged or molded, unlike nonfiction. And it's something in the industry that really drives me nuts is like, sometimes you will get a no based on something that seems so small. But what they're really saying is, I'm not wild about this book. I don't feel passionate enough to break this book out. So I'm going to I'm going to step aside. And when someone steps aside, that's actually wonderful because it really does make room for your advocate and your your champion. You want someone to champion your work. If you sign with an agent who is not excited about your work, then you're probably not going to have a fantastic experience along the way. Ah, uh, man. And man, isn't that true? And, and, you know, I like specifically relating back to that client before that I mentioned, I, I, I think you like having a better understanding of like the, uh, uh, of, of what this part of the process includes, what the demands are on you, what you need to expect from the marketplace of agents and representatives that, you know, are going to be around because, because then, you know, and I hate, I'm not trying to like extrapolate this and make you feel worse about it. But like when you go to submit uh, and, and query an agent, you're submitting and querying for representation. So if, if you do get to the point of having representation, then it's, it's the job of the agent or representative uh, to take you out to the actual marketplace, to sell you to uh, a publisher and imprint. So like, you're, the the road is so long, and I think having a really good understanding of of that, and managing your expectations about it, and really like hunkering down for the long haul is is gonna do it's gonna do you a great service in kind of being able to assess, um, you know, 
response as feedback. And, you know, in the, in the situation with this particular client, I would say like an agent saying no and telling you they're not the agent to represent the, the manuscript, it, it, has, it has nothing to do with you or the manuscript. That's a great, that's actually a great response because what, what they're telling you is I'm not right for you. And the thing that you want, and this is what, you know, Rhea, you always say this, we always say this, all it takes is one yes. And you want the yes to be from the agent that's right for you. And I think a lot of writers, um, and I think, I think, I think in the game of representation for marketplaces like, uh, film and TV for books, um, for, for probably for, for acting as well. I think there's, because it's very cutthroat and because it's very competitive and because it does, it, it, it is a lot about, we get very personal about our work. So we take rejection very personally, um, rejection of the work very personally. And, and I think that I, I understand it, but I, I think that we get, we start to believe that having representation, having any representation is better than having no representation. And I can only say from the very bottom of my heart and my experience in, in that, uh, in those relationships, like professional relationship dynamics, that that is not true. You do want the right one. You do want the good one. You do want the representation that is right for you. And you do want to wait around for that. And, and you do want to make sure that you get that because, um, the getting the wrong representation is actually going to, uh, is actually going to waste a lot more of your time than, than you think it is at the end of the day. Hey everyone. Okay. It is that time of year again. Not only is my 40th birthday coming up, so excited and my wedding anniversary, but November also marks a very special event here in Nashville called writer fest. This conference is a wonderful creative gathering for aspiring writers, published authors, screenwriters, poets, songwriters. And for the first time this year, they are doing some specific deep dives. Now, these deep dives do come with a small little price tag of $300, where you get a three-hour deep dive with me on creating your six-figure book proposal. Now, if you've looked into creating book proposals, if you know a little bit about our, our work, this is a very expensive product. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm going to be giving you my kind of quote unquote secret methodology within this three-hour workshop. This is going to be held Thursday, November 18th from 9 to 12 p.m. And it's really for anyone who's writing a novel or a nonfiction book more specifically. We're going to really talk about defining your big why, choosing your publication path, and really creating a viable book proposal that sells. So if you come join me on this wonderful day, and use the code FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D, 25, the number 25, you get $25 off your registration. We will have the registration link in the show notes, but all you have to do is go to WriterFest, that's W-R-I-T-E-R-F-E-S-T, Nashville 
com for more info and use the code FRIEND25 for $25 off your registration. This deep dive also includes a really cool networking lunch after the workshop. And let me just tell you from personal experience, there are some true heavy hitters in the publishing industry that show up every year. It is such an amazing, intensive personalized conference. If you want to get published, if you've already been published, if you want to network, you want to come to Nashville and join us, please do. Again, go to writerfestnashville.com. Use the code FRIEND25 and get $25 off your deep dive with me. I hope to see you there. Well, and, and it's so vital to take an active role in this process. So what you just said, like waiting for the right person, I disagree with that a little bit. Like, yes, you have to wait, but you also have to be very proactive in, if you wanna find your right yes, do your homework, find the right person to pitch to, not just necessarily the gigantic agent who reps so-and-so that you love so much, but get strategic about it. We've said it before, but newer agents are hungry to build their lists. and. You know, you can look, there's so many different resources out there. Publishers Marketplace is one of them. You can look up any agent. You can see what they've sold in the last six months, in the last 12 months. Do your homework to make sure that you are really submitting to someone who is or could be the right fit for you. And I feel like so many people just query like a million different people that aren't really tailor-made for them. Another great thing is, you know, when you're trying to cultivate any relationship, I think just sending an email, not knowing the person, not knowing the personality, that's very hard to set up a potentially long-term relationship with a person who's going to build out your career potentially. If you don't meet them in person, if you don't go out and like have a drink, know how they do business, see if you feel comfortable with them. It, it can feel really strange to enter into a working relationship with someone you've never met in person. So that's why like, you know, some people don't really like the in-person conferences or, you know, writers festivals or whatever, but it can be a wonderful place to connect and network and really get to know these agents and these industry professionals or if you go to readings or authors that you really love, start talking to them about who reps them. What do they like? What do they not like? Uh, authors are very forthcoming about agency representat uh, representation specifically, and it is a business at the end of the day. So while you know you can find someone that you really love and feel so connected to them, say they're an agent, but they haven't sold much of anything in your space, that's probably not going to be the right agent for you. So it's it's as much of a strategic game as it is like a personality game too. You want to make sure that you are signing a contract with someone that you trust, that you respect, that you, you know, you've talked to some of their authors, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. So you can really enter into a relationship knowing what to expect. And the same thing goes with maybe you're bypassing the agent and you want to go with a smaller publisher or a hybrid publisher. Get to know your team. You know, um, these are people who are going to be championing your book and your your work and hopefully moving it into the world. So you need to establish really good, strong relationships with these people and 
and put yourself out there a little bit. I think that's such good advice because I, yeah, I think, I think there's also, there also can be, especially when we get overwhelmed by perhaps how much we don't know, or perhaps how green we are in a particular, um, uh, you know, in, in a particular dynamic of the path to publishing. I think there's a lot of, and I think this happens when people hire, um, copy editors, developmental editors, uh, you know, any, or, you know, like us or like, you know, whatever, I think people can get very hands off and they're just like, I don't know, just like do it, you know, <laughs> just like yeah, sell my book. And it's like, no, you don't, don't, don't hand over your shit. And don't like, check out. Don't right. check <laughs> out. Like, yeah, honestly, like do that due diligence, get to know those people, develop personal relationships with those people. And, and especially with your representation, that's only going to help them sell you, um, knowing you as a writer and a person. Um, and I think we, we want to be like, oh, I don't know. I can't, you know, moving on. I don't want to just, just do it, just handle it. And it's, I, I think that, man, that's, there's, there, there's an opportunity to be, to be kind of, uh, duped and like, um, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty bad mentality. And I think it's, it's right to say like, get to know, get to know these people personally for sure. Yeah, And you know, for a lot of people, so if you are in the pitching process, which is a wonderful place to be, it can also be very scary. It can be very frustrating because it does feel like you're waiting a lot, but that's when that's actually the golden time. It's the golden time to connect with potential readers, to dig into your audience a little bit more, to connect with other authors. You can start promoting their work. I mean, you're Again, like right at the start of the most work, <laughs> which is all of the marketing, all of the connecting, all of the community building. So don't just sit back and wait, you know, really start looking at this like, okay, what am I going to need to do to have a successful launch? What pieces and parts do I need in place? Am I going to want to hire outside help? Am I going to want to, you know, do X, Y, and Z and really start to look at the strategy beyond just, you know, getting an agent beyond getting a book deal? Because as we've said three million times on this podcast, the real work begins once you have a product to sell. And if you're just, you know, kind of like going in eyes wide open, but really expecting everyone else to do the work of selling your book for you, you're going to be extremely, extremely disappointed. So the more you know, the more power you have, the more you can advocate for yourself, the more questions you know to ask, and the more you can really start to follow your own instincts, which I think is something I actually really want to do a podcast around that and how we don't often follow our own instincts, especially in this industry, almost never. almost never, because we are taught like, got to go with the big name, got to have all the recognition, got to do this, got to do that. And or like, this because so-and-so is repped by this yes, person so, or they, or so-and-so went down this path and I have to do the same. Exactly. And I mean, you get to create your own narrative, your own career. But I think a lot of people really look at it book by book instead of as a body of work over the long haul. You talked about the long haul and I could not express that sentiment better because if I looked at my career as what's happened over the last few years, I probably wouldn't continue, quite honestly. I would have been so burned, so disillusioned, so disgruntled. I'd be like, no, nah, this is for the birds. But when I think about, you know, 10 years from now, five years from now, 15 years from now, 
it's the creation that matters to me. It's sitting down and trying my hand, maybe it's something new, getting better as a writer, you know, going into different avenues and staying connected to that creative part of myself. And that might look really wildly different than I thought it would five years ago. And that's actually okay. And I'm I'm coming to appreciate all the failure and rejection as much as all the accomplishments and accolades. It's it's such a wildly dichotomous industry that really encompasses every single emotion of the human spirit, which is kind of cool and kind of frustrating and kind of scary all at the same time. But when I look at it over the long haul, it, it allows me to kind of exhale and realize that I don't have to have it all figured out right now and that I'm allowed to change my mind and grow and pivot well, and isn't that a beautiful test and proof that you have evolved as an artist? Because, you know, I, I do think like looking at it as, as a, not only a body of work, but looking at it as a life of work. And I think I think artists like change seasons. And I think it's a really hard thing to accept when you're in it to like have to pivot or to accept when you're being pivoted, which occasionally happens, I think. But, um, I, you know, I, I think that's the... That's like the next phase of evolution for a lot of artists is like, okay, if this suddenly, if what we've done suddenly isn't working, what, what is the new, what is going to work? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, wherever you are in the pitching process, understand how to manage your expectations, understand what is in your control, what you can do, um, and really get comfortable with no, with the word no. It It is not a terrible word. It's not a direct reflection on your work. Um, it's just part of it. It's one of the biggest parts of it, actually. I mean, I have literally received probably thousands of no's since I've started pitching in my 20s, you know? Um, it's 20 years of rejection and now it's like, or, or bad reviews or whatever. And that doesn't, that does not dictate who I am as a creative or a writer. That doesn't, you know, I don't know, it doesn't define me. I'm so much more than those rejections, so much more than those no's. And I think once you like really get comfortable with that and understand it, it just releases a lot of the pressure we put on ourselves. Yeah. And I mean, if a no is going to be the thing that stops you. Oh, pick a different um, industry. <laughs> well, that's guess what? Yeah. Well, we had it, you know, our, our one of one of Rightway's clients. Uh, she made that comment when she went and decided to, uh, you know, uh, take a different route, route publishing her book. She said, I've never yeah. I've never waited for an invitation event from anybody. Exactly. So why would I do it now? And if you're going to percent, if a no means that someone's opinion of you or your work uh, means that you're going to like hang it all up. I, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't bode well for anything in your life. So no, yeah. as my mother used to say, so every time she would tell me no, that was a kickoff point for negotiations on my part. I would literally do everything I could to get her to say yes. And I almost always would, which, you know, probably isn't the best thing um, as a child. But I love I see it as a challenge. Like it's a you know, you, you have to flex that resilience muscle. It's so important to be able to adapt and adjust and be like, okay, cool. Like these five people said, no, now what? Maybe, maybe what I'm doing is not working. So let me, let me pivot and 
and look at what else I can do and really approach it with that spirit. If you feel very drained, if you feel very rejected and not in a great place, take some space, take some time. You know, you need to be in a very good mental state when you are pitching much like creating the right environment for you to create. It's the same thing, create the right environment for you to pitch. I know sometimes it's as simple as sending an email, but start visualizing that yes. Start figuring out what you're going to do next. Think beyond the yes, because sometimes that's where our minds stop. And for me, that that's what made the difference for me. I thought so far beyond that yes. I already thought about the movie deal. I thought about what it would be like to stand with my book in hand at my launch party. I thought about doing all of the events, standing on stages, and holy shit, did not... I mean, all of that stuff came true. Um, because I spent so much time dreaming and imagining. And and often we don't take the time to really imagine what could be or what we really want. We think about, like, we just stop ourselves. It's like, oh, no, well, what about that gets rejected? Or it probably won't happen. But spend five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, imagining your best case scenario, moving beyond the yes, and seeing what comes next. Because once you do that, you stop attributing your success with the end result and start really moving through the whole process and understanding, oh, there is more that comes beyond this yes, and then beyond the next thing and beyond the next thing. And it allows you to, again, think more long-term instead of this like immediate gratification. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you all might want to write that down while you have a second. Write it down. Um, let us know where you guys are at and what you guys think about this conversation. Please email us at podcast at rightwayco.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. Let us know. We keep the dialogue open because it's the only way we actually get anything solved. So if you have some thoughts or opinions that are different from this, we would love to hear them. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks again for listening to The Right Way Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment and help us continue to deliver the content you want and need. And for more information about Rightway, visit rightwayco.com to get more info on all our editorial and developmental services and sign up for our weekly newsletter where we'll be sharing exclusive content, access to digital courses, and offering proprietary resources for aspiring and established writers. 